Hey listeners, today we're taking the train away from Faraday to the land of Epistel as I interview Ryan Hoyt, podcaster and author of Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair, and its newly released sequel, The Isle of Abandonment. I honestly hope this will be the first in a Meet the Artist segment showcasing other creatives and the cool stuff they're doing. I really enjoyed talking to Ryan, and I hope you enjoy listening. Listeners, we have a special Meet the Artist episode for you today. I am interviewing Ryan Hoyt, author of the Epistel Chronicles. So, Ryan, how are you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, doing awesome. Surviving the heat here, 107 <laughs> degrees. <laughs> it makes me very glad that I living in Arkansas where it doesn't get that hot. <laughs> it it did get that hot like two weeks ago, actually. Oh, but it's yeah, with the humidity again. too. It wasn't that humid back then. It's been okay. raining like every day this week. So that's why it's super humid right now. Yeah. <laughs> it makes my allergies really bad too. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it'll be okay for this. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah. Well, tell us about yourself. Who are you? Yeah, I'm Ryan, a writer of fantasy and horror. Uh, I've been self-publishing since 2021. My fantasy series is, as you mentioned, The Epistel Chronicles. Um, and I also have some horror uh, books, including Raven Tree Hollow is my first horror novel. And I do some short stories that I've been releasing as uh, paperback chapbooks, just like single short, short stories. I've lived in the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay Area most of my life, but I just moved to the Sacramento area. I have a wife and two daughters. Outside of writing and family, my day job is in internet trust and safety. I worked at LinkedIn. I'm a cybercrime investigator. I focus on uh, child sexual abuse, self-harm, violence, and human trafficking. Um, and outside of all that job. and writing, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty heavy, actually. That's kind of one of the things that led me into writing, like needing creative outlets to For sure. not think about work after work. And then I also yeah. play guitar as my other hobby. Oh, very cool. Yeah, you mentioned in your podcast that you did the music for a previous project. Yeah, yeah. So the songs in the podcast stuff I recorded actually just like onto a phone, onto an iPhone, and they're decent enough to play in the background as I talk <laughs> on my show. Not not decent enough to re re uh, release professionally, but I haven't played that kind of music in front of people. I used to be in some terrible like emo uh, <laughs> bands and pop punk bands back when I was high school and college. So it's been quite a few years. Well, I came across your book through your podcast, which is the Machete and Quill podcast, which I was actually looking up like a specific episode of my podcast to listen back to it. And I found a website that was like other podcasts that you might like. And it had yours on there. Nice. And I just got hooked. This book is totally in my wheelhouse. It's got a female protagonist and there's all of these like just elements that kind of take it away from the traditional sort of medieval epic fantasy setting but why don't you tell us more about the book and where where this idea came from sure yeah well first of all I'm really glad that you found the podcast <laughs> 
putting out the podcast, maybe you know this too. I don't know if you experience the same, but it's hard to get feedback, like to hear from other people yeah. that have listened. So when you reach out to me, it made me really excited. <laughs> so thank you for that. So yeah, the Upstill Chronicles, I started thinking about writing a fantasy story back in 2015. At the time, it was actually going to be a full cast audio drama. I was really into, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Black Tapes or uh, Tannis is another one. They're all from the same production studio. One of my co-hosts on my other podcast uh, on Reading Circle Temple is a big fan of Tannis. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the Black Tapes came right before Tannis. It has some of the same characters in it. Something about the narration in that one, I really like the main character. I'm blanking on the actress's name. But anyways, when I'm writing the main character of my story, Gemma Calverson, I hear that voice in my head. <laughs> so nice. hopefully it's not too much of a ripoff of that character. But anyways, that was sort of like why I wanted to write. Um, uh, let's see. I, I did some scripts. I think I scripted out the first three or four episodes. I did some test recordings and then I decided it was a lot of work. I don't know how you do it. You put out your <laughs> podcast all the time with sound effects and everything, <laughs> juggling a full cast of people. But I decided I wasn't skilled enough for it. And I kind of just decided to set it aside. But yeah, the overall story is about people in this land called Epistel, uh, which was once several separate kingdoms uh, that came under one ruler. There were like these two large events that happened prior to the story where people were kind of scared of magic and religion. They blame those things uh, as being responsible for these big events. I would say it's like maybe like the events of Lord of the Rings, um, but I purposely been coy about what those events entail because I may visit those in a later story. So the primary main character is Gemma Calvertson. She recently graduated from college as a historian and is finding herself constantly hindered in her work uh, and research by the laws of the kingdom. Uh, magic and religion have been outlawed by the king. King Davin uses those as an excuse for what happened to the neighboring kingdoms uh, to scare people into submission. Davin created a group called the Royal Mystic Committee, which basically enforces his laws uh, against people practicing religion or magic. Um, they ban books, they ban religious gatherings and houses of worship and rewrite the history books to fit their current worldview. Um, so the story begins 25 years after this big event. Gemma is interviewing an old hero from one of the old adventures. Uh, his name is Richard the Elusive. She finds him pretty unstable. He has some uh, issues with post-traumatic stress. And she finds that he's fully immersed in studying the banished books of magic and religion. And he warns her about a, a bunch of prophecies from several different religions that are all kind of converging together. So they go off an adventure together. They meet more characters. The cast grows from there. That's book one, uh, Gemma Calvertson and the Forest of Despair. There's a prequel novel that takes place 75 years before that. It's kind of just a side story. And then there's the sequel and there's a third one. So it'll be a trilogy plus the prequel. I'm working on the third one right now. Nice. Yeah. Now you mentioned that like you've been really coy about the backstory. I actually really enjoy that. I I write uh like fantastical mundane, so it's just like fantasy universe, but just really normal life. And it's Is really that like hard cozy to like, fantasy. I I don't know. I've I've come up with a couple of like different terms for it, but it's okay. just my my whole idea was I want to read like the fantasy story without the adventure. So it's just okay. like <laughs> My book is just a bunch of like teenagers yeah. at a school, just being teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in my experience, it's so hard to like get in all of the like information that you need 
to understand what's going on when you get like dropped into this world. And I'm super impressed with how you do it. You have just enough that it's like, oh, something happened. But you kind of don't really have to worry about all of the details of what it is. Yeah. And it's kind of left up to your imagination. It helps that I haven't actually planned it all out yet. <laughs> <laughs> I have some ideas. I have like a little bit of backstory uh, that I have notes on, but I don't know all the minutia in there. Like, I don't know all the little details there. <laughs> it makes it easier. Yeah, with your stuff. So I've been hearing the term cozy fantasy a lot lately. Um, oh, I think I, I'm going to have to look this up. Legends and Lattes, I think, is the name of the big one right now that I've been seeing in the fantasy groups on Facebook. But yeah, I've never actually read any cozy fantasy. So I wonder if that's similar to what you're doing in your show. I, I'm going to have to look that up. I started out, basically, I was a teenager when all the Harry Potter books came out. And so, you know, I was part of that craze. And I was like, I really enjoy this. I would like to read these books without the big good versus evil plot line. Yeah. Like no Harry, no Voldemort, just maybe Ron is the main character. <laughs> and it's just about people living their lives in a world that happens to have magic. Yeah. Which, which my other podcast is, uh, we're currently reading the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. And it feels a lot like that, aside from the fact that it's not modern day. So <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Royal Mystic Committee and book banning just feels very topical right now. Um, I'm a teacher <laughs> in Arkansas and there's a lot of issues with like what books are like acceptable. Yeah. It's uh, scary. All this. So all yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I came up with the idea. I was writing the story in 2019 is when I finally sat down to write the novel. Um, but of course a lot going on in the world, the last several years in the U S really in the last <laughs> several years, I think that kind of inspired politically, you know, you can see where things are going and uh, yeah. definitely inspired King David and his his whole regime. It is scary, though. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned in your podcast that the idea of trauma was like an important theme in the story. And I really liked that because I feel like it's not something I see a lot in other fantasy books. So I'd like to know like more about why that was an important theme for you. Yeah, so going back to, I mentioned my work, the kind of work I do. There's a lot of sort of traumatic content uh, that I deal with uh, in my job. I think that was a way to sort of fictionalize, I guess, or yeah, maybe, uh, I don't know if that's a good word for it, but fictionalize sort of what I see on a day-to-day, -day, um, how I react to it internally and mentally. And I found escape in like comic books uh, when I started working like this in this field and in creating music and writing. And this is sort of my way to, to deal with stuff with that kind of like trauma that comes from even just viewing that kind of stuff. But also like going back to 2015, when I started thinking about the story, I had come off a rewatch, I think of the Lord of the Rings films and also Star Wars Force Awakens was about to come out. I enjoyed speculating on what the heroes would be like now that they're older or what the Lord of the Rings heroes would be like years later. I know there's stuff like me appendices and all that to tell you, but just sort of giving your own imagination to that. I feel like some of those characters would probably have some issues mentally dealing with, yeah, mental health issues after all the death, all the fighting, um, even though they're killing bad guys, like there's still, that's got to affect yeah. you somehow, right? You have to internalize that in some way. So yeah. I wanted to sort of approach the story from Richard's point of view eventually, uh, Originally, he was the older character, 
that Gemma meets and and uh, follows around and starts this adventure with. Originally, he was the main point of view character, uh, but I didn't feel qualified to write in his head as much. I didn't know if I could really portray it from his own point of view. So I wanted another character, uh, point of view character to to look onto him and see how he's reacting to the world. Gemma's also got, because her dad was also mm-hmm. part of all of this big thing that happened in the past. Yeah. And so she's kind of got two people who she's looking at and she's she's kind of observing Richard and going like, hmm, I wonder if maybe like getting to know this person better will help me better understand my dad. Exactly, yeah. I kind of come out and just say that in one of the chapters, she decides to go on this adventure, like maybe that'll help me figure out how to understand my dad better or whatever. It's kind of a little on the nose. I kind of, sometimes I regret writing stuff and I've already published it, so I kind of left it in there. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, um, she's doing a lot of this to understand what happened to her father years back when he was part of that war. Her father's a lot, a lot more, I guess, visibly affected than Richard even. And so, yeah, so she goes on this adventure and, and I think she's comfortable enough with Richard because her father is dealing with a lot of the same trauma. And so by being part of this adventure, she's able to sort of explore what happened to her father and get a better understanding of his whole mental state. It's another thing that I really like about the backstory because again, so many of our like sort of standard prototypical fantasy books are that medieval European epic adventure and I like that like the adventures kind of already happened I mean yes it's a second adventure but it's very interesting to like start with these characters who have already been through it once and to see how it's affected them yeah um like I mentioned before like I haven't put a lot of that backstory in I've considered going back and writing prequels to do that I may or may not I just don't want to spoil what's there in the story because I do think it works pretty good um, yeah. in the ways you mentioned. So we'll see. I, I may or may not do some more in the future. It kind of depends on if things pick up with with these books when I finish the trilogy. <laughs> and then you have another, like, you're stepping away from that whole traditional medieval European fantasy thing. And so you have a pretty diverse cast of characters, I feel. You've mentioned that Gemma is like somewhat inspired by your wife. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So I based the idea of Gemma's family's origins on two things kind of. Uh, So one being my wife's, uh, her father is from the Philippines. Um, Her father got U.S. citizenship after uh, joining the Allied forces in World War II. My wife was half Filipino. Uh, We're from the San Francisco Bay Area, which is at least the city I grew up in was probably half white or less. So the world around me is not just all white European <laughs> background. So to me, I when I see it, when I'm thinking of the story in my head, I don't just think of people who look exactly like me. The other thing is I'm a tribal member of the uh, Choctaw Nation of Oklahoma, but I never connected with that side. My grandparents moved out of Oklahoma in the, I think the 1940s. And I've never been back. My dad goes back regularly, but I've never been there. Um, so I kind of wanted to explore the idea of being an other in the story uh, in a way that was somewhat familiar to me and the people around me. I didn't focus too much on that in the story, but that was sort of in my head as I was writing it. In the podcast, you have episodes where you have these in-character moments and you kind of talk about your ideas behind different characters. Mm-hmm. But in your blog post, because you also put them up on your website, you have pictures. And so you actually get to get a better idea of what the characters look like 
And again, it, it seems like a fairly diverse cast to me, which is just nice to see. Yeah. In the <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I was um, recently just for my newsletter, just always trying to think of content to, to, to give to the subscribers there. I tried to like dreamcast the, if I was going to make a, have a movie made about, about this and who would be in it. And it was just fun to, to be able to explore actors that you don't normally see. They're not your typical like white European background actors um, as the main characters. And it was fun to sort of be able to dreamcast that. Yeah. I recently saw the preview for Wonka and I was like, that kid is how I pictured Debbie. Wow. <laughs> Uh, that's the the guy from Dune, right? Is that who you're talking about? I have no idea. I just he looks kind of like young and disheveled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that like <laughs> give him some ratty clothes and yeah. like no shoes, and he eats Denny. I've, I've actually <laughs> changed my idea of what Denny would look like recently. Are you familiar with the show Reservation Dogs on FX? No, yeah, I think it's on FX and Hulu. I'm only familiar with it name. Okay, so there's a character, one of the main four actors in that one. He's sort of the youngest of the cast. I think he's still actually maybe it's 17 or 18. But yeah, he's indigenous. Um, but when I saw him, I was just like, this kid has the, like, the heart and the, which is like, he has the personality that I felt like Denny would have. So I, I dreamcasted him in it, to my newsletter subscribers. He was one of the people I put in there as who I would That's awesome. That. But yeah, I think, uh, is it Timothy Chalamet or something? That's the actor you're talking about. I have no idea. <laughs> Okay. Wow, because I I feel like that actor it, it might be him. I I I just like the just the, <laughs> like the shoveled and the wild hair. Yeah, I, I like, know I know who you're talking got about. A Denny look about him. <laughs> yeah, but also like Denny's my favorite character, so I'm probably gonna start seeing him everywhere. Did you? I know you. I think you ordered the books for me like last month, right? Did you get to the yeah. second one by chance? I haven't yet. I'm not. I'm actually not Good. quite no, that's fine. with totally the first fine. one. Yeah, no, uh-huh. yeah that's fine. I, I, <laughs> I'm curious on your take on his character in that one after you read it. You can let me know. <laughs> yeah, I will. Sure. Yeah. But I have been, I've like, it's so nice to have it in paper. I've discovered I really enjoy like, uh, like listening and following along. Oh, cool. With like audiobooks. And, but I've also just been like carrying it around everywhere. So, like, I, like, I, I recently got new glasses and I like had it in the like, the office like the eye doctor's office in the waiting room and one of the ladies who works there is like oh what are you reading and I was like let (laughs) me tell you all about this book thank you wow yeah Yeah. (laughs) thanks for showing it off that's cool (laughs) I like the the day I got it I got it on a Friday I went to the synagogue on Friday night and I brought it with me and I was like I'm not gonna read this while I'm there (laughs) but it's new and I'm excited. So I'm just going to like carry it around. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, there was, a, there was a new person at the synagogue that night and we were like exchanging information and she was kind of like across the table from me. And so I like slid the book across the table so she could like put her information on a paper, like stick it in the book. And we were like, it slides very well. So <laughs> she said, when you talk to this guy, be sure to let him know that his book slides very well. All right. It has that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been enjoying in the summer, just uh, my kids have been going to like a pool or to the lake or whatever. Just enjoying summer. I've been enjoying bringing out a paperback book with me. So it's nice to just sit around the sun and read or whatever. Yeah. 
I've been on, um, I don't know if you've read Black Tongue Thief. It's a, mm-hmm. I think it came out by, from Tor Publishing a couple of years back, but it's a good fantasy book. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm reading it and wishing I injected like as much humor as this guy did in his story. <laughs> Jealous at his skills. But it's a good book. I've, I've already mentioned that I'm a Tamara Pierce fan and mm-hmm. uh, Tor published her, most of her books. Oh, Not nice. the series that is my favorite. But <laughs> yeah, mostly... they're a good publisher. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I don't did you is your the book that you're doing as your podcast, did you originally publish that in print or are you just going straight to audio first? It's basically going to audio first. The okay. chapters are available online. About the first two-thirds of the book is available to read in like two different places. The best way to get to it is probably through the links in the podcast. Okay. So each podcast episode connects to the that chapter online, and then the chapters are also all linked together. Oh, so great. Like, you okay. can read ahead. But there's also, I, I'm on a website called World Anvil, and mm-hmm. the link for my World Anvil page is also in the podcast, but it might be a little bit harder to get there from the World Anvil page, but I also have it on that website. I've been working on this book for several years and I have this other podcast that I do where we like read books and talk about them. Yeah. I listened to an episode when you reached out to me. I checked that one out too. It's good. I like to tell people it's kids lit for foul mouthed adults, (laughs) but this, the circle magic series is the series that I fell in love with growing up. And so we're just kind of going back to it as adults and looking at why it, was so endearing but i i had a student who does like his own who's been getting into like audio editing and like doing his own music and so we were talking about audio editing and so i was telling him about the podcast and he was like oh but you write things right like like you should do a podcast where you like read stuff and i'd been working on this book and uh one of my co-hosts from reading circle was like you could do a full cast audio of your novel. And it just sort of went, okay, like my student has told me I need to do this. So I guess this is what's going to happen. And it's been a really great experience. And I'm, I'm basically just like putting my voice out into the, into the ether and hoping that it hits somebody. (laughs) But I also wanted to talk to you about your setting in your Mm. book again getting away from the whole like medieval fantasy thing it's it's very interesting for me because it feels it feels almost like it has like the tone of that like traditional medieval sort of story but then there's obviously these much more modern things like Mm. the train and the university so I I don't know where I'm going with this but tell me (laughs) about your setting (laughs) Yeah, so if if you look at the map in the book, you'll see it's just like a ripoff of California. <laughs> uh, there's like a bay there at Capital City. It's just the shape of the San Francisco Bay Area, basically. The the first book takes place basically California, Northern California, Bay Area, maybe east to Nevada, north to Oregon. Um, but you know, they say to write what you know, and this kind of the landscape that I know, it is sort of easy to write and imagine the different places in the book as being places that I've been to. Like I mentioned before, like I wanted to reflect the diversity of California that I'm used to here. 
I didn't just want to imagine the people in the story talking in British accents. You know? um, not that they have like California surfer accents or anything, but <laughs> I still, I wanted it to feel unique. And then, yeah, you mentioned the other thing, another thing that makes it feel different is the trains. I, my thinking here was that like in the real world, when we have these different wars in the past, um, whether it's civil war, world wars, uh, there's always these big advances in industrialization and technology um, from from building weapons and, and vehicles or whatever else. So I felt like, why should the fantasy world be any different? Like things should yeah. change after these big events happen in their world that they probably had to scale up industrialization for. Um, so trains were introduced. Um, I think I, I forget if I actually left it in the book or not. The trains were introduced by somebody from another country that came over and visited like during or after the war. King Davin was actually okay with increasing production of the trains because it helped bring all these kingdoms that are now under him together more easily, um, helped right. increase travel and commerce. And so I thought that'd be a fun part of the story. As I was writing it, I kind of wanted to make it feel a little bit like a Western. And then I ended up not leaning into that at all. But in book two, it does go more into that territory. There's like a train heist. Um, nice. I'm so Western. excited about that. <laughs> there's some more like Western towns out like on the frontier. So I hope that doesn't throw off readers too much because it is way different than like the typical epic fantasy with the feel of it as it goes more into that sort of Western feel. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because I was I was reading it and just kind of thinking about it, I was like, you know, with with like all of the trains that being kind of a central point, at least at the beginning, because there's a lot of train travel and this setting where you have the the train stations are sort of these hubs. I was like, it feels kind of like a Western. So <laughs> I feel like you did a decent job awesome. there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't I don't describe the clothing in my books. I'm just I'm not a very descriptive writer. In my head, I can never like quite tell, are they dressed more like traditional fantasy? Are they wearing like the, what is it? Like the dusters or ponchos or whatever. Like they're not wearing cowboy hats, I don't think. But they could be, I guess they could be. I never described that they're not doing that. <laughs> but it's just fun to give it sort of a different feel, I think, than a lot of the um, traditional like epic fantasy that I've read. I've always been a sucker for unique settings. The first time I read a novel by N.K. Jemisin, that was one of the things that really drew me in with her is her setting just felt completely unique. I was just, I've never read this before. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about it. Cool. Uh, awesome. I'm glad that that came out, came across. So. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's interesting because it feels like it's like somewhere between sort of the like medieval traditional thing and then like 19th century yeah. old west. So it's like, it's got elements of both, Good. but that's nice. Yeah, as as a, I'm not sure how far along you are in listening or reading, but as they go farther north, I think it does start to take on a little more of the traditional fantasy feel. Uh, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, <laughs> it's third act stuff. So I'm almost on. done. I'm okay. in the, the the late 30s. Cool. Um, yeah. So once they yeah. get to that kingdom of Emerson, there's like a castle yeah. there, and it, I I felt like that was more like the traditional fantasy feel. So, but that um, also kind of makes sense with your world building because you've yeah. had these these countries that have all kind of been united and the numbers of this sort of separated. Cut off from the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So are there any parts that you really enjoyed writing? Like oh. <laughs> scenes that you were like, yes, I just yeah. love this. I think I actually read a lot more horror than I do fantasy. Um, I don't know why I started off writing fantasy as my first foray into writing novels and all that. You know, they get to the town of Farathon, um, mm-hmm. maybe halfway through the book. As they're approaching it, they're telling each other stories about the witch. And it's kind of like these fairy tales that they all know um, that they've grown up with. I really enjoyed that aspect of it, this mystery to the this village that they're on their way yeah. to. And then they arrive there and things are really strange. They arrive to this town that's in like perfect condition, but there's nobody out on the streets. They don't see anybody in any shops or anything. And then they go to this one tavern and that one's full of people, but those people don't even seem to notice them or pay attention to them at all. So it's all really like eerie feeling as you're reading it, hopefully. And then it goes from there, it goes full on body horror for a scene. And there's a death scene. (laughs) Uh, I'll try to spoil too much, but that really like helped me push into writing horror. I enjoyed that so much. As soon as I finished that, like I got to write a horror book soon. It was pretty dark and gruesome, I think, compared to anything else that happens in the book. Uh, Because the book is pretty clean. Like I've had a lot of friends say like, oh, can my kids read this? Uh, You know, they have kids that are maybe like 10 to 12. I'm um, like, yeah, there's no cursing. There's no sex. Like, I think it's pretty clean, but there was one scene in the middle where things get pretty graphic <laughs> violence. It's just that one scene though. Uh, but it, it was a lot of fun to write. I enjoyed that a lot. I will say that scene has always stood out. Like when I got there, when I was listening to it, it was like, I did not expect this <laughs> to go where it did. Yeah. Um, oh, it it um as I was writing it, I remember just being so excited. Like I've never felt that way for anything else I've written. I don't think I remember just like puffing my fist, like yeah, this is working good. <laughs> when I finished, I remember like typing about it on Facebook or Instagram or something. Like oh my gosh, it's a scene! I can't wait to share with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about that one. It was fun. Yeah, I know. For me, there's been just like a little. It's often little bits of dialogue that I go that I go back to when I'm cutting together the the podcast. I'm like. Yeah. I really, I'm really glad I wrote that. This just (laughs) makes me laugh every time I hear it. It's okay to pat yourself on the back because, you know, (laughs) it's coming out of you and and it's, some of it's really cool. It's stuff you would love to read from somebody else. I think that's why we become writers is there's stuff that we don't see in other books that we, that's in our minds that we want to put out there. So it's exciting when, when that stuff happens. (laughs) So why did you decide to read your book as a podcast? few reasons. So I mentioned already, I originally intended for it to be an audio drama, like a full cast, like what you're doing, and didn't end up going that route. But I still always heard it in my head and wanted to to put it out there. It's really expensive to have an audiobook produced, like probably a couple thousand dollars to have it professionally done. Um, so I thought doing it as a podcast instead of as a full-blown audiobook um, would allow me to maybe not be as high quality as the standards that you have to hit to sell on Audible or whatever. Um, But I think it's still good enough. People have been enjoying it from what I've heard. (laughs) And just a way to reach other other, um, potential readers or listeners. Yeah. Um, Because as I mentioned before, it's just, it's really hard to find an audience, whether it's for books or for a podcast, but anything to sort of widen, widen the um, potential reach there. I also tried to do it as a YouTube podcast in the last few months um basically just put like a bunch of my graphics and logos in the background and put the same podcast audio on youtube but i i think i was the only person pressing play on those videos so 
it was a lot of work to convert it into that format. So I ended up taking them down recently. <laughs> I didn't finish the whole thing, but uh, it's a lot of work. I just got really lucky that I had people who were like, yeah, I'm willing to jump on board with this strange yeah. project of yours. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It feels good to find an audience. So like, would you reach out to me again? It was maybe really yeah. excited because I kind of give it up on the show recently. It's just, I don't know if it's hitting anybody. And once I heard from you, um, I went back in and like checked my stats and like, oh, people have actually been listening the last few months. More people listening now than when I was putting it out late last year and early this year. So kind of gave me uh, some second hope, I guess. <laughs> yeah. New audience. You uh, mentioned that you also have a horror novel. Do you want to tell us at all anything about that yeah so raven tree hollow it's sort of a um i've been calling it like a gothic and cosmic horror uh mashup uh, it takes place in the 1950s the tagline is something evil is feeding off the sins of raven tree hollow it's kind of a small town horror book um it's a little campy it's not quite that scary i guess but similar to um to the Forest of Despair, where it's a uh, multi-POV book. Uh, I think I have like five point of view characters that switches back and forth through. I found a really good community on Facebook that loves uh, independent horror authors and, and their books and really champions them. So I've been able to find a smaller, uh, actually a bigger audience there than I have with my fantasy stuff. So it's been really nice and encouraging me to go and write more horror books. So after I finish off the trilogy, the Epistle Chronicles trilogy, I probably will focus more on horror going forward. I've done some more short stories as well. Most of them take place in the same world as that novel. But I'm putting those out yeah, as independent chat books. And eventually I'll do a collection of short stories. Cool. Yeah. Well, those are all of the questions that I have for you. Cool. Um, oh, maybe we should mention real quick. I I set up all my audio stuff when you reach out to me. I'm like, yeah, I want to do a podcast again. I want to do your interview. And then I decided like, hey, maybe it's a good time to get back into the saddle. So I did start recording season two of the Machete and Quill podcast. <laughs> so thank you. I have you to thank for that. Um, got Yay! all my stuff set up and I'm doing the novella, The Witch of Farathon, which is a spinoff prequel of The Forest of Despair. It takes place 70 to 75 years before the story. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to hop into that show, it premieres, I think it'll probably be out by the time this is released. It uh, comes out on Monday, July 17th doing one chapter per week. They're really short, like 10 to 15 minutes at most. And it's only going to be 13 chapters. So the whole thing will be done in like two or three months. Machete and Quill podcasts on wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah. I will say, like having listened to it before reading, like now when I read, I actually hear you reading it. <laughs> So that's, that's an interesting, it's a, it's a good experience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Does that, cause we all, I, I think everybody kind of has like a head voice or head cast when they're reading something, right? You, I don't know if you cast yeah. like actors or people, you know, in those roles. So I wonder if that like ruins the, the effect for some people. They've already heard my voice <laughs> as all the characters badly portraying female characters or whatever. <laughs> Oh, accent. like accents are hard, too. I'm probably ruining anybody's idea of a good <laughs> accent. <laughs> I'm so bad at that. I feel like you do a decent job. Like Thanks. there there are times when I'm just like, oh, wow, these these characters really sound like they have separate voices. And I don't feel like <laughs> I'm good at that. So uh, I 
how many actors you have you have a few people in your cast right? I listened uh, to a couple episodes. I've, I think I've got about 10 or so okay wow um, I don't I've know how you like, juggle all that like having all those people <laughs> participating and editing all that and everything people being amazing humans yeah. uh and and putting up with me nagging them and going lines lines <laughs> lines I need you to send me your lines I I just feel like they're all just absolutely amazing when I listen back I've found that some of the characters are starting to like change a little bit because of the way my actors portray them. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting experience to like get the, somebody's recording and be like, Oh, this is not at all how like I imagined this character (laughs) said this, but this is now how this character says this for sure. It's funny because people will talk about like, oh, so-and-so is so good and I don't feel like I'm very good, but they all just like come together so well. (laughs) And similar, I said, you know, reading your book, I now hear your voice in my head. Mm -hmm. It's gotten there where now when I'm like writing these characters, I hear these voices. Yeah. (laughs) Would you say that it helps motivate you to like keep consistent output of writing, get your word count up and all that? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've got a lot of different things that will help me. Some I have like some of my friends who have been reading it will like nag me and be like, hey, hey, I want I want more writing from you. I need to read this. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely helped. And then I have a writer's group that I'm a part of. And sometimes people aren't very active. But when people are active, then that encourages me to like put something out even if it's not working on the novel like I'm constantly spending time writing which is nice yeah for me what really motivates me is like having other people get excited about it or like having conversations with people about Mm -hmm. like writing and world building and stuff so when I'm like regularly engaged with other people about my writing and their writing and writing in general then I I just start like tearing through it. Yeah, but... it's awesome. Awesome to feed off that energy. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. Do you have anything else you want to uh, throw into this conversation? Um, I, if anybody's interested, I have signed books at ryanhoytauthor.com uh, slash shop. Um, I'm on social media. If anybody wants to connect, uh, I think I have all the links on my website there. Um, but yeah, really appreciate the the chance to come and chat with you today. Thank you so much for yeah, having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Again, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Links to Ryan's site and where you can find his books will be in the show notes, and the next chapter of Natural Magic will be headed your way soon.